Well, let's get to our stations, guys. Jeff's already ready. Let's stand and, uh, and ready ourselves to worship here this morning. Um, we thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name, Lord. so good to be back. It's amazing how, how when you are not here, when you're not present, um, it feels like an, an eternity. It feels, uh, I mean, it's just a, a long time. So it's great to be back um, worshiping with you guys and um, just praying for a 2021 that is the way the Lord wants it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's uh, worship. Lord, we just lift up your name this morning, Lord, and we just say thank you uh, for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. We thank you for, the, I just recall that message that Charles gave about we've been shown so much mercy. Let us, us show mercy, Lord God. Help us to be agents of mercy, Lord, as we enter into this, uh, this new year in this broken world. Let us be a light for your kingdom, Lord. As we sing this morning, let our gaze be lifted up and tell everybody how great the love that came down from heaven's gate to kiss the earth with hope and grace. So we give you this morning, we pray, Lord, that you we would sense your presence because we know that you are here. And uh, Lord, that we would uh, engage in worship that would just lift our voices to you, God. It would be a sweet savor in your nostril. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's worship. your presence here, Lord. Be with us, Lord, as we worship. Lift up your gaze, be lifted up. Tell everyone how great the love, the 
sing this song. It's a benediction of sorts. It's Lord bless you. But as we sing this, Lord bless us. Lord bless me as we sing this together. Hallelujah.
children and the children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family and your children and the children and the children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside be seated and uh, John if you wouldn't mind um, let's just continue with an attitude of worship and have John play for a, a minute and as he does that would you just invite the Lord to be here today not just to the place but to be with you just invite him say Lord this is your church by the way see he's invisible he's coming right here he can sit here or but he walks among his people. So let's just meditate on the Lord some and have John play for a minute. Well, it's good to be back like Pat. I guess you know Dudley and I had COVID. We've survived. We came through it. We were very lethargic, but we got a lot of quality time. Would you agree? <laughs> Would you give me a glass of water? Yeah. Uh, did you take that? Um, 
immune booster. You know, we did that for two weeks. But uh, it was, I mean, the Lord was with us and is with um, Matt Davenport also and Madison and with Pat and his family. We get through this. And, um, you know, one of the things I really react to myself is the whole spirit of fear that seems to be grabbing hold of the culture. And, you know, Roosevelt said, after Pearl Harbor, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And fear is paralyzing. And if we feed fear, then we, it's almost as if it, it wins the battle. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a boldness. And um, so as, you, as we go at it today and when you leave after church today, you know, be bold, but not, I'm not talking about being arrogant or anything like that, but... Uh, no fear. And I wanted to sing to someone this morning. There's somebody in this church, I don't know who, but she has on a white outfit. See if you see. Does anybody have on all white this morning? I'm looking around. Uh, I woke up thinking that this is her 90th birthday. Uh, and I... Uh, Mary has been in the church longer than anybody, including me. She's been in the church uh, over 42 years, came out here to help establish this work. Her husband has been with the Lord. And Elise, it's great to see you, by the way, back from Nashville. Um, they, uh, they bought this building back in the 80s, and they planned on... Um, their intention was that it would be used for church, this side, and then they had a business on the other side. And uh, so many things have happened over the years. And of course, you know now we own the building. And uh, Mary's been a big part of that. Um, she used to come when only thing we had here was a slab of concrete. I don't know if you can picture that, but go out into the canyon or something, just a slab of concrete. That's all it was. People used to meet five days a week, people we don't, you don't know, praying that God would bless this building. And at the time, it was just to rent it, not to own it. So there's a great legacy behind that. And so Mary, um, what I, first of all, you look great. It makes me want to make it to 90. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know it, um, I'm going to be talking about this a little bit today, but after her husband died, um, for a lot of women, that's like the end of their life. Like, I don't know how to function without my husband, and I can understand that. And I think a lot of men don't know how to function without their wives, and I understand that too. I mean, I can understand it. But um, Mary, after, um, after Bob passed away, she went to Ghana three times. You don't do that from Leesburg, Georgia. You just don't go to, you don't go to Ghana. And she taught over there and shared her testimony. Then Mary also, it wasn't in the bulletin, but she started a prison, started going to prison ministry. And she used to go right up here and visit prisoners. People say, well, I don't know what I can do with my time. There's lots of things, if you just look at the Bible, that we can do. But she found a way... And then she's also been uh, very involved in intercession over the years, both in this church and um, in her neighborhood. They've had a Bible study that's gone on for years, and there's many other things. She and her husband, when they came here, were known for their hospitality, and Rhonda can vouch for that, their hospitality to singles and to married couples. And my prayer is that God will raise up among our midst couples that have hospitable hearts to singles and married, young marrieds because they're looking for some kind of, has anybody got their act halfway together? Because everywhere they turn, there's brokenness. And Bob and Mary really extended themselves that way. So I just want to say, I love you, Mary. You're, you're a huge part of my life, of the women of this church that know you so well. And for those of you that don't know her well, uh, 
it's a privilege that we're walking together. So I have this special song, Pat's prepared. You ready, Pat? Hit it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mary. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Amen. Also, I, uh, he won't get his song, but John Norton crossed the bar yesterday, too, for, reached the esteemed age of 50. You, congratulations, John. And I know <clears throat> there's a lot going on. And um, anybody know who Thomas Stearns is? Hmm. Anybody know... Um, well, he, he's pretty well known. His name is Thomas Stearns Eliot, better known as T.S. Eliot. He wrote The Wasteland, and he said this in an essay called The Ideas of a Christian Society. Uh, the problem of leading a Christian life in a non-Christian society is now very present to us. And as for the Christians, um, as for the Christians who is not, uh, the Christian who's not even conscious of his dilemma, he's in the majority. He is becoming more and more de-Christianized by all sorts of unconscious pressure. Paganism holds all the most valuable advertising space. And I don't think I'm telling you anything new that uh, the enemy, the God of this world, is after our children. They're after our marriages. He's after anything that can bring destruction. Nancy Piercy, well-known woman, theologian, and uh, professor, said this. She was just talking about what comes our way. The following song, movie, program, commercial, speech, Tweet, post, image, story, book, sermon, etc. Certain ideas in the form of arguments, embodied characters, narrative consequences, satirical exaggerations, and emotional outbursts. These ideas will be assumed true, though not necessarily supported by any arguments, and reflect the worldview of the actors, producers, directors, musicians, writers or speakers discretion is advised so we have a real challenge to see to it that no one takes us captive through vain philosophy and empty deception and the rudimentary elements of this world the challenge is as christians try to do that they become kind of hard shell it becomes us against the world it becomes we're pure they're not it we forget the fact that we were sinners lost in our dead and our trespasses and sin and that we are conveyors of grace to a lost and dying world. It's not us and them. Out of fear, we, we go into a corner and box ourselves in because we don't want to be contaminated by the evil. If that's the case, Jesus never would have come. He came into the world, but he wasn't of the world. My kingdom is not of this world. Say that with me. My kingdom is not of this world. But then he also said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. There's a job to do here as ambassadors of reconciliation that never changes. I wrote in my... Uh, um, update this week about the sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. And there's a lot of bartering going on. The pressures of this age have caused people to opt out of that which they know to be right. All of us have friends or neighbors that their life 
their sorrows have been multiplied. There's a difference between sorrows being multiplied and sorrows being added. Multiplication. So, Ben, what's 8 times 12? 8 times 11. I'll give you a good one. 88. Okay, so we multiply. Addition, we have to add. And multiplication goes so much faster. Sorry to put you on the spot there. It's good to know. Kids, if you get nothing else out of this morning, learn your times tables. Don't rely on the computer. The computer may, the batteries may wear out. The um, bartering is as old as human history. I have been, uh, we used to go to Mexico every year and uh, with our mission team when we, uh, years ago, I mean, we did it for 20 straight summers. And at the end of it, we'd go into Ensenada. It was safe then, we thought anyway. And we'd start bartering, you know. That's why I, I got a Rolex watch every year. Um, and the inside joke was I'd go to my friend John Isaacs, John, I got a Rolex watch, 20 bucks. Can you believe it? And then he'd say, oh, well, I got a, a Rolex too. Mine was only 10, you know. And, uh, but the idea was they would start at 50, and then you work your way down. Same when I was in Africa, you know, they wanted different things, and I would barter with them. I'd say, okay, I'll pay that price if you can guess my age. And so they'd play this game. they say, oh, no, no. I said, no, we're going to play. And it was just fun. But bartering is a way of life in most places in the world. And we're doing it now. eBay, um, Craig's. Come on, give me another one. My, you know them all. You know them all. But you're trading. You're saying, and then uh, Proverbs says, um, there's a proverb that says, bad, bad, says the buyer. And when he goes away, he boasts. So what it means is <clears throat> you go to <laughs> bid on something and uh, you go way low. You say it's not worth any more than that. And then when you get it, you go around and tell your friends and neighbors how smart you are. By, and and <clears throat> according to the scripture, that's not a good thing to, um, to brag. Um, but the key is that what does it mean for us to barter for another god? G-O-D, to trade your life for another god. India has 300 million gods. This week, <clears throat> I talked to someone. It's a long story. They've never been to this church, and not a single person in this church knows this person except Dudley. And... Um, he called me. He was getting ready to jump off a roof. He called me from Florida. And he said, oh, I didn't think you'd take my call. And I said, no. And I, he said, and then he started talking. He said, it's, there's, no more, there's no point anymore. He's about 70 years old. My health's bad. And he goes on, and then I can't tell you all that I talked to him about, but it was like, I don't know how I did it, but, or how God did it, but I got him laughing. He said, you got me laughing. I said, I know. He'd already, he, had, <clears throat> he had ordered and had a very expensive last meal. And then... I knew enough of his life, I started reminding him of God being in this part of your life and God being in this part of your life. And I said, I'm not talking about new age. I'm not talking about having a PMA, a positive mental attitude. I'm not talking about seeing God in, in the fresh blooming of flowers. I'm talking about God himself, King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm talking about the only God that can do anything about anything. This is who you need. You don't need a higher power that's a doorknob. You need Jesus Christ. And the world is full of people that are going after higher powers that have no power. Those emperors have no clothes. There's only one that has clothes. Now, we ended up praying together, and I prayed, 
as hard and true to him as I would pray with you. There was no, and I pray to God that I hear from him again. Um, his marriage is over too. I said, is there any hope? He said, no. Does she feel the same way? Yes. Totally dead in the water. There's no, there's no, uh, let me get you to this counselor and he'll work it out. You need counseling. No, he needs Jesus. But he needs him at the depth. He's bartered his whole life away for another God and his sorrows have been multiplied. And Jesus saves to the uttermost. Thief on the cross. He can still bring him back into his kingdom. Trading our birthright for a bowl of soup. Would you do that? Would you trade your your relationship with Christ for a lousy bowl of soup like Esau did? Would you trade it for anything? How about, would you trade it to worship the creation over the creator? I really admire some of the dedication of some of these environmentalists that will chain themselves to a tree when a bulldozer's coming. We could use some committed people like that in church. They're very committed, right? And they're willing to die for that oak tree. We say they're so stupid, it's whatever, but they, they, they're following another gospel. They traded the creator for his creation. It's called deism. Another way to barter... is the empty philosophy and all the isms that are out there. You'd have to be in a cave not to be catching the news and hearing things about this person says that, and this person says that, and he said that, she said that. It could really eat our lunch if we let it. Because in the midst of all of that, what's true? Jesus said, very plainly, what good does it do a man if he gains the entire world and loses his own soul? People will trade everything for a carnal pleasure, um, a car. We read it every day in the news. Somebody killed each other over arguing about whose sweatshirt that was. They trade their entire birthright for that. That's what I call bad business. So my point today is we're not going to barter for another God. What does that mean? And it means there's only one God that's going to solve this thing we've called planet Earth. There's only one you know, he says in uh, the Old Testament, he says, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. So when you saw the riots this summer and you saw, you've seen some of the things in recent days, um, the capital, and you see things in other third world countries, you go, as truly as you live? Yes, it's happening, but it hasn't happened yet. How many of you think that God is smart? How many of you think he's smarter than CNN? How many of you think he's smarter than Fox? How many of you think he's smart, smarter than your favorite pundit? You know who he is. The one that always seems so positive that he knows exactly what, he knows the underbelly of everything going on. Is God smarter than that? Yes, he is. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, when he came, I want to get into the Beatitudes, starting the series on that. And because for us to navigate the waters of life successfully in marriage, in business, in relationship, in reconciliation, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have to be committed 
to the truth of who he is and what he said. And Jesus' words are polar opposite of a lot of what is constantly pounding our kids in school, what's pounding us um, in the culture. And unfortunately, as T.S. Eliot said, uh, people don't even know what's happening to them. There was a terrible thing going on about sex education in schools. It still is, but it has to do, uh, the sex education for people my age was about the sperm and the egg and reproduction, you know, and you watched a graft and everybody got kind of uptight, you know, in health class. Today, it is much, it, I can't say it here, but, it, it, but of course your kids can get it in sixth grade. They teach everything and then different Christian parents have talked to other Christian parents and the other Christian parents say, oh, it's not that bad, it's okay. You know, it's just, they gotta learn somewhere. Yeah, how, and, and the problem is that that's what he's saying to that, as for the Christian who is not conscious of his dilemma, and he's in the majority, which means the majority of Christians, he's becoming more and more de-Christianized by all sorts of subconscious pressure. Now, by the way, he died in 1965. So this had to be written somewhere around 1960, probably. And so that would be, what, 60 years ago. And it's amped up quite a bit. So when Jesus came, Jesus came uh, in the New Testament. Of course, he came at the time of Rome. And there was all kinds of false gods and sexual immorality. And he planted himself right in the middle of that. But he also referred to this in Isaiah 61. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news, not bad news, to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. There's a lot of broken hearts out there. This man I talked to was brokenhearted. He had lost all hope. I had something to say to him, though. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners. People enslaved with drugs, sex, rock and roll, pornography, all kinds of bad attitudes, violence, uh, uh, lack of integrity. We want to set these people free through the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort you and I are comforters to comfort those who mourn and to grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes. In other words, we're putting flowers on their brow rather than pounding them with religion and letting them know that God knows what's going on. Nothing's hidden from him. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm not worried. Honestly, I'm not. Now, maybe that'll, that'll get tested like we just finished reading about Job. How many would like to... Uh, I hear so often people say, I want to come into my passion, my ministry. I really need to... Okay, what if your ministry is Job? How many would like Job's ministry? No, no, that's not, not that. But we have been given so much and much is expected of us. And I'm not talking about so much telling you things this morning that maybe you've never heard before, but the question is, are we, is it part of our ethos? Is it part of how we walk with God? Or are we just marking time? Because there are afflicted and hurting people that maybe they're not supposed to be in Saddleback Covenant Church this guy will probably never darken the door of our church. But you are on a kingdom assignment to touch people out there. How many of you know it's for professionals? Can you imagine Jesus writing the gospel? He says, go into all the world, just the pastors, we want you, and make sure they've had seminary training, and let them do it. And the rest of the people make sure that they know that I made them 
uh, not to know, love, and serve me, but to just sit in a pew. Isn't that crazy? And then he says, you'll be called oaks of righteousness. Matt, you know anything about oak? Isn't it true that the old Ironsides, someone was telling me this recently, in the Civil War, the boat, the side of the boat was made with oak, and it was, the oak was so hard that a cannonball would bounce off it. It was harder than steel. And you and I will be called oaks of righteousness. It begins as an acorn. It goes deep into the ground, and it develops over time, and roots go down. While the roots are going down, there are storms and, and rains on the just and the unjust. And we go through this thing called life that has so many ups and downs and twists and turns. Nevertheless, you are to be an oak of righteousness. God, as, as you go down, the roots are going in, that something is going up where people can find respite and hope. I love the gospel, and I love the fact I have no idea what Mary's testimony meant to those kids in Ghana. She doesn't know. I have no idea what we did those years in Mexico or the trips that uh, I've had the privilege of going on. Uh, but his kingdom, will there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. Can I get a really round, uh, resounding amen on that? Amen. All right, so now I'm going to go to Matthew to introduce the Sermon on the Mount. Um, a better translation would be the Sermon on the Hill. Have you seen it, John? Did you see, how, how big a hill is it in Israel? Is it like walking up? A, it's not hard, right? You know, we usually think of them on this high mountain. But the Sermon on the Mount, first of all, you have to go back. You go back to when he was born and then the dedicated, and then he grows up. And uh, in Matthew 3.16, he's baptized. And after he's baptized, the first thing he does is he is led by the Spirit. Say that with me. Led by the Spirit. Where did he go? into the wilderness. Now, if most Christians, if they get led into a wilderness experience, they say, I rebuke you, Satan, be gone. He led him into the wilderness. For 40 days, he was tempted in every way. When he came out of the wilderness, the first message he gave was this, repent. which the Greek is metaneo, and it means to turn from the direction you're going into another direction. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He is both the king and the kingdom. He was there, and that was his message. Could have said a lot of different things, but he said that the kingdom of God is at hand. And meanwhile, he started um, ministering. That's where you have the wedding, Canaan of Galilee, and he was doing all kinds of... Um, Miracles, every kind of disease, sickness, suffering, demoniacs, paralytics. And he was teaching. He taught for understanding. He preached for commitment, and he healed for wholeness. And he's told us that we too will do, will do these things. When you and I pray and we do certain things under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, it's amazing what God will do. Now, don't raise your hand on this. How many of you feel unqualified to do that? Don't raise your hand. Because that is the biggest lie you're going to ever have. Why do you need more training? Why do you need more teaching? Why do you need more seminars? Why do I need more of this, more of that? Why don't we just do what we need to do when we have the opportunity? You know what will happen? All Hades will break out, and then you'll come talk to me, and we'll talk it over, and I'll try to be a good pastor and help you through your process. I have had people run into really difficult things, and my phone rings, 
yes, uh, I talked to such and such, and they said that I should call you. I said, well, thanks. What did they say? They said, I, they should talk to you. You know, the person that does that, they feel so good about themselves. You just didn't let them go. You just turned them over to Kevin or turned them over to John or Matt or somebody. Say this with me. I got to own it. I got to own it. Come on. I got to. Okay. Ben and Sam, you got to own it at your age. You realize the kids, they need guys like you. I mean, you got to own it. Naomi. It's, and do you remember T.S. Eliot, he's one of your dad's favorites. He's saying most people don't know what's going on. And paganism holds all the most valuable advertising place, which means all the messages that you guys get in high school gets, in junior high and high school, they, they're, they're giving the narrative. And that narrative, and parents do their best. No, don't do that, it's terrible. And then the kids go, oh, come on, you're an old fogey. You don't really listen to what I'm doing. Don't you all the well Johnny's mother said he could do it. I said, but I'm not Johnny's mother. Doesn't you know? And so Ern Baxter, a great preacher, said one time, he hated his father because his father was so strict. And he said his father his all his friends would be out roaming around. And he said, said years later, he became a minister, but he said, I hated that old man. He said, but then I realized the only reason I didn't steal cars is I wasn't out at car stealing times. He saved my life. That strict old man that I had a difficult time with relationship saved my life by having a standard. And we're too quick to, to cede to the world. So we come up after this. The Sermon on the Mount is going to be about several days, probably. It's not like a 30-minute sermon. He was there, and he's teaching. And I'm going to close this morning by just reading it, and we'll follow it up with specifics. This is in Matthew 5, 5. And remember, he's already healed. He's already got James and John and Peter and Andrew following him. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountain or a hill, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, interesting, Jesus taught them from a seated position, just for what it's worth. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle or the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. Now, I don't believe that's, that's got to be a misprint. Because when I get insulted, I tend to react. How about you, Coop? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver, when you get insulted, do you, do you react or you just say, I hear that. <laughs> he just nodded. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Blaster, when people insult you, come on. I, half of my counseling over the years has been about that. People having their wig out of place because someone hurt their feelings. And persecute you. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Here's the kicker. Because of me. Because of Jesus. You stood for something where other people wouldn't stand for it. And because of that, you got reproach. And if you do that with the right heart, he says you're blessed. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who went before you.
So as we get into the Beatitudes, it's about a transformation of our inner life that makes our external life conform. Most of us have an external persona where we create an image that we think is acceptable to people. But what Jesus is always about is the inner person. He wants us to dig down deep into our heart. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is. There's not one thing in there about being blessed because you have money or blessed because you have a big family or blessed because you're smart or have an education. Certainly those are wonderful blessings. But what he's saying, true blessing, has no circumstances tied to it. Not having a job having a job, not liking what's going on in our country, not liking this, liking that, but circumstances that grab hold of the king and let him work. So I want to just commission you fresh and anew where you live and work, get out there and do something. Stir up the nest, would you? I'm not talking about uh, protests. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit Think about it. We've got people here in universities, in high schools, in businesses, in government, in construction, in building, uh, in the police force and the uh, firemen. And we've got um, housewives that are part of the neighborhood. And we have uh, this great network that we can all be part of. And this is what we're here for. So it has to get past, my life has to get past Kevin and Dudley and my kids. My life has to be about people beyond myself and my family. Not for just for growth of numbers, but those are the people that, that need what you have. Let's stand. Patrick, come up, please. Some of the people that bartered, by the way, uh, Adam and Eve bartered for another God. It didn't work out too well. Cain did. Um, Samson traded it. Balaam, Herod, Judas, Delilah. I will just tell you this. It is possible to lose your soul. It is. And I'm telling you that someone wants it that doesn't have ownership rights. That's why this has to be alive. Our fellowship has to be alive. So I get a, a roaring amen on that. Amen. amen. It's so good to be back. We'll follow up with this next week. And um, thank you, Lord. Let's, 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 let's worship and then I'll pray. Yeah, hold on. Yes. Would you like a microphone? Uh, on December the 12th, my car, uh, the front end of my bumper was, was ripped off by uh, this uh, um, spike. And, uh, well, you remember, we've all heard that uh, God's megaphone is pain. Yes. And I can add frustration. So <laughs> for a whole month, the insurance company gave us the runaround and uh, didn't want to fit, um, fork over the money to fix the car. And so after a month, I sought the Lord and I said, is there something in my life you're after here? Because it's been a month and uh, I had the strongest impression that the Lord said yes. Uh, you're behind on your type. I thought, oh my goodness. So <laughs> I, I figured out my tithe and I sent in a check. They released the money right, right away and my car is fixed. So, <laughs> but I also wanted to share that my daughter Jennifer is here and she's having tremendous pain in her foot. We've prayed for her foot for years I'm wondering if God is after something in her heart. I'd like to pray for Jennifer's heart. Okay. That if he has something to say, that she can hear it 
and that he would heal her foot. Did you want to lead us in it? I will. Dear Father, we thank you that you love us enough to correct us when we're wrong. Lord, we hold up Jennifer to you this morning, and we ask you to heal her. Yes, Lord. If there's something in her heart that you're after, I pray that she would hear you, that you would speak loudly to her so she could understand. Thank you, Lord and repent and then I pray that you would heal her foot that you would release her from this pain in Jesus mighty name I pray Amen. something else I would just forgot to mention about Mary is that uh, she first got cancer when you were 70 And um, she's been at stage four for 10 years. At least, right? So I remember they were going to put the the thing in for the infusion. She decided not to do it, which I advised against. (laughs) Guess who was right? It's interesting how God will be outside the walls sometimes in our thinking. But uh, it's amazing. So we do pray for Jennifer and for all of you, Lord. We, we go out today with this song. It may it be a song of worship and pleasing to you. I pray for all the families and the stuff they're doing with their kids and how awkward school has been and sports and just nothing's normal and whatever that is, Lord. And we're having to dig deeper to love one another and to find ways to bless you in the midst of things. So Lord, I ask you to help each one of us. I pray you'd anoint. I pray that today there would be a lightness in people's spirit when they leave today that the world's not coming to an end, that you uphold all things by the power of your hand and the earth is yours and the fullness thereof and all who dwell therein. And that you're moving like a river across sub-Saharan and hundreds of thousands of people and Muslims and different ones are coming to Christ even as I speak. But we only see in part and know in part. Help us keep the big picture, Lord, and walk with you um, in a way that pleases you and benefits those around us. Amen.
ask that you would go with us as we head on out for this week, God. Recover us, Lord, that we would have that mindset of glorifying you in whatever we do, Lord. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Be dismissed.